up for uh, today. But anyway, praise God. Even Jesus turned the five loaves and two fish and made something out of it. So uh, yeah, praise God. But no, magnificent cake, and I'm looking forward to uh, tasting some of it later. Anyway, praise God. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 18 and 21. Ephesians 5, 18 and 21 says this. It says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now I'm going to jump forward to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 11, which I noticed was actually on your scripture for your ladies' boot camp. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that today you would fuel us up again to be the territory takers you've called us to be. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Ephesians is my favourite letter in the New Testament. The reason why it's my favourite letter is because it was written by the Apostle Paul in the same format as someone who wrote, the Romans would write a call to arms letter. So basically what that means is this, when the Romans would go to war, they would write a letter encouraging their people and putting confidence in them, telling them we're about to go to war. And so it was always in the same kind of format. Ephesians was actually written in that same type of style. I think that's one of the reasons why some theologians felt that Paul didn't write Ephesians because it was different from some of his other writings. But then later on they realised that actually, no, it's written in the same format as the Romans would write a letter when they're telling their people they're going to war. That is why it says in Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's basically saying, that's at the end of Ephesians, he's basically saying we're getting ready to take territory. We're getting ready to advance the kingdom of God. Did you know that God's desire for the kingdom of God is to advance and move forward? It's not to be a defeated enemy sitting in a corner. We're not called to be Christians sitting in a corner singing Kumbaya waiting for Jesus to return. He's actually called us to advance and move the kingdom of God forward. And so Ephesians is written in the same kind of format as one of those letters. So if you, want, if you understand that, then you can also understand that everything you need to be a territory taker can be found in Ephesians. Everything in Ephesians is necessary for us to advance the kingdom of God. That's why the first half of Ephesians was talking about our identity in Christ. So what that means is this. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll never be the territory taker he's called you to be. You need to know your identity in him. But here in Ephesians chapter 5, he actually tells us something that we also need. And he says, be filled with the Spirit of God. So what that means is if you want to be a territory taker, we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God. Actually, in the original language, it actually means keep being filled by the Spirit of God. So he's not talking about a one-time event. He's saying that if we're going to be the advancing, territory-taking army he's called us to be, we need to keep being filled by the Spirit of God. I mean, you can buy a brand new car and it could be the nicest car around, but at some point you've got to fill it with fuel. If you don't fill it with fuel, no matter how nice the car is, no matter how expensive, no matter how good it is, it cannot move unless it's filled with some fuel. 
in the same way as believers, we need to be filled by the Spirit of God. We need to keep being filled by His love, by His power, by His joy, by hope. We need to keep being filled by the Spirit of God if we want to be the territory takers He's called us to be. So some of you right here might be saying, well, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because He actually tells us here in Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, the habits that we need to have to help us keep being filled by the Spirit of God to be the territory takers He's called us to be. So I want to talk to you today about a few keys to being filled by the Spirit of God. A few habits, a few disciplines, that if you continue to do these things, you will be continually filled by the Spirit of God. The first thing he says is this. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speaking. The first key to living a lifestyle filled by the Spirit of God is have a positive confession. The way that we talk will actually determine the fuel of the Spirit of God that comes on the inside of us. I mean, speaking and confession and declaration are an important part of the Christian life. I mean, you can't even get saved without speaking right. The Bible says you've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you'll actually be saved. How do you remove a mountain? Well, you can strategize around it and you can come up with plans and resource and that sort of thing. But Jesus says, eventually, you've got to speak to the mountain and it's going to be moved. Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says that the power, of, uh, the power of life and death is in our tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what that means is this, we eat what we say. The way that we talk turns in upon ourselves. So if we speak unbelief and negativity, guess what we feed on? unbelief and negativity. But if you speak words of life and words of faith, then you'll, be keep filling, uh, you'll keep fueling up on the Spirit of God. That is why when you become a Christian, we've got to stop talking like Aussies. <laughs> Amen. Because as Aussies, we play down everything and think it's humble. But it's not humble. It's lying. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. Oh, you're bad, you're just not too bad. <laughs> Remember one time a young man in my youth group, he said to me, I said to him, how you doing, mate? He goes, oh, I'm not too bad. I said, oh, not too bad. You're bad, you're just not too bad. <laughs> so what happened last night? Slept on the street, didn't get a meal. You're not saved, you're not going to heaven. He goes, oh, now that I think about it, I'm doing pretty good. We need to understand that we've got to make sure our perspective is always on the things of God. If we're forever focused on the negative, then the one or two things that aren't going right in our life, then you're going to continue to speak negativity. We need to be, as believers, continually speaking words of life and words of faith. Even if things aren't going your way, we're supposed to still keep speaking words of life and words of faith. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm feeling terrible. When I get that operation, I'll be better. No. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, do you hope the lotto numbers come in? No, let the poor say, I'm rich. We don't speak according to our circumstances. As believers, we speak to our circumstances. When God created the earth, he didn't use words to communicate. He used words to create. So the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says the earth was full of dark, was darkness and void, and, dark, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And then it says, then God said, 
Oh, gee, it's all chaos, isn't it? <laughs> no, he do not say that. He said, let there be light. And there was light. There wasn't any light. How come light came to be? He spoke it. It's all he created on the first day. Bible says he didn't create the greater and the lesser lights till the fourth day. So watch this. He created light on the first day, but didn't create the sun till the fourth day. Now that can't happen. That's not possible. But when God says something, it's got to come to pass. In the same way, if you want to be filled by the Spirit of God, we need to be not like our community, not like the world, not like Fox News or CNN. We've got to be speaking the Word of God and speaking words of faith and life. That's why as believers, we should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. I don't care how many cases they're found. I'm going to keep speaking life. And you will feed off your words. I mean, try it sometime. Speak negatively. Oh, that's terrible. That's hopeless. That's it. You don't feel any better. When you start speaking words of life, I heard of one a famous preacher. He used to drive around in his car speaking excellent words. Wonderful. Tremendous. Fantastic. Great. He started feeling better. In the same way, we need to speak, not according to our circumstances. We need to speak life in spite of our circumstances. You know, I love playing a trick on people. They come up to me and they say things, Things like, oh, how you doing, Ben? And I'll say, can I be honest? And they'll lean in and say, yes, you can be honest with me. I'll say, to be honest, I'm doing awesome. <laughs> and they look at you, they're like, ah, you're not being real. Yes, I am being real. I'm just not going to focus on the one or two things that are going wrong. I'm going to start focusing on the things that God is doing. Amen. He says, speaking. First key, positive confession. Second thing is this, speaking to one another. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's not just speaking to the air. Speaking to one another. Who's the one another he's talking about there? Well, this letter of Ephesians was written to a church. It's actually called a circular letter. So it's written to all the churches under Paul's leadership. That's where they got to read this letter. It was actually in church. He's telling people in church, speaking to one another. So the second key to keep being filled by the Spirit of God is go to church. Spend time with God's people. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. He's talking about his manifest presence. In his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So watch this. You might have had a bad week. You come to church. You get around with other believers. You start getting fueled up and you're ready to hit the week ahead. Going to church is an important part of being part of the Christian life. Now, some people get a little bit funny about church and they get their theology a little bit twisted. Uh, and often it's because of offence and that sort of thing. But the reality is, it doesn't matter what church you go to, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be the potential for offence. Uh, that's why I don't believe it's a valid reason to leave church over offence. Uh, as if you go to another one and won't get offended there. Like, it's, it's not possible, you know what I'm saying? And so some people get a little bit funny about it. I remember one time I was talking to a young man and it's a friend of mine and uh, I said, what church do you go to, mate? He goes, oh, I don't go to church. I said, you don't go to church? He goes, nah. He goes, I don't believe in organised religion. I said, oh, I had to go to a disorganised one. Uh, and I, I said, what do you do for church? And he says, well, uh, we have church at home. I wake up on Sunday, me, the wife and kids, we sit around the dining table, uh, we have communion together, sing a song, some, we read the Bible, someone shares a testimony, 
uh, and uh, and we you know and we and we sing a song and pray. And he says, "That's our way of doing church." And I said, "Bro, well, that's not church. That's breakfast." <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Very good habit to do devotions with your family. I've got no issue with that. But that's not church. What is church? Well, the church is more than just a gathering. You know, people, don't get me wrong, as a church, you need together. There's no such singular term for church. I'm not the church, you're not the church, we are the church. So the church is actually a gathering. But also, Ephesians actually tells us uh, what the church is built upon. And basically tells us that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, whose job was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the Bible also tells us that the church was built on Christ as the cornerstone, and the foundation of apostles and prophets. So what that means is this, that church is not just a gathering of believers. It's also also where there's the presence of Ascension Gift Ministry. That's actually the church. And so that's why it's a good thing for us to come together. You know, some people get a bit funny. They talk, they love Jesus and they hate the church and will, don't have a problem talking bad about the church and somehow think that Jesus likes it or likes that or agrees with them. But you've got to understand some phrases to describe what the church is. I mean, the Bible says that the church is Christ's bride. So to say you like Jesus and not like the church would be like coming up to me and saying, Ben, you're awesome. Love you, mate. You're a really nice guy. Now, I can't stand your wife, Trish. But you, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't stand, can't stand her either. No, no, no. I like her. That's my wife. I love her. Christ is the groom. The church is his bride. When we bag out the church, we're bagging out Christ's bride. Not only that, the Bible says that Christ is the head and the church is his body. Ladies, if you're single, would this pickup line work on you? You have the most beautiful face. I've ever seen in my life. When I'm depressed, all I do is stalk your Facebook profile, (laughs) (laughs) see your face, and it makes me smile. When I get up in the morning, when my alarm goes, your face just comes up on my phone, helps me to get out of bed and meet the day. You have the most beautiful face I've ever seen in my life. Now, your body could do with a bit of work. Some ladies will be like, I don't care, I'll take him anyway. No, no, no. Christ is the head. The church is his body. He likes it. And the church is here for us to come together, no matter what you've been through through the week. If you're feeling bad, that's the best time to go to church. If you've had a horrible week when things aren't going well, that's the best time to go to church. When you can get together in God's presence with God's people and draw down on his spirit so that can you be fueled up to be the overcomer he's actually called us to be. He says, speaking to one another. The third thing he says is this. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The third key to actually drawing down on the Spirit of God is actually singing, is actually singing. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So what that means is when we praise God, his manifest presence comes. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And so what that means is this, when you're feeling bad, when you're feeling down, 
Start praising God and you actually start feeling better. That's why Habakkuk says, I put on the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. When I'm feeling weighed down, when I'm feeling low, I start praising him. You might have had a terrible week and don't feel like praising God. That's the best time to praise God because then we give him a sacrifice of praise. And as we praise him, his presence comes and he gives us the life and the joy and the strength uh, that we need. You know, um, we, we took over a church on the Gold Coast called King's Church and we took it over at the start of 2018 and um, there's a lot of challenges there um, and there's a lot of issues and that sort of thing. And uh, But glory to God, uh, after about one year, basically to Easter, you know, the second year we were there, so after 15 months, our church actually just started feeling good. There'd been a bit of infighting and that sort of thing before that uh, and a lot of issues and that sort of thing. Financially, the church had been destitute. They were pretty well close to insolvency and that sort of thing and had lost millions of dollars over time. And But basically, round about that time, we started coming good and our church was very peaceful, which was good. You know, it wasn't in revival, uh, but it was very peaceful, which was nice. And so I remember at that time, a few months, a few months after that, a local pastor rang me up and, and he said, can I come and see you? I said, sure. He was a, a pastor of a church a couple of suburbs away and he came and saw me and he said, is everything okay? I said, yeah, it's fine. I said, everything's going really well now. I said, uh, we had a pretty hairy first year, but everything's going really well now. And he said, oh, I just feel God's so good to come and see you. I said, well, mate, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. I said, everything's going fine. So, yeah. Uh, an hour after that, I found out that my two oldest boys were getting expelled from our school. Now, it's our school. It's my school. And so I remember when that happened, it really threw me for a loop. I remember afterwards, you got to understand, I was already tired, I was already worn out, and it was almost like it, you know, like a sucker punch, you know. And I just got, you know, I just, I just got, felt like emotionally I got knocked out. We went on holidays, and I remember at the time thinking to myself, you know, this holiday is not doing me any good. I, I, emotionally, I feel so flat. It was beyond disappointed. It was beyond angry. I felt like I had nothing. Have you ever felt like that? Where something's hit you so hard, it's beyond actually being upset. Uh, you feel like you've got nothing left. That's exactly how I felt on those holidays. And coming towards the end of that holiday, I thought, I don't even know if I can come back. I said, this has just hammered me so hard and we'd ha already had a difficult transition and that sort of thing. And, and so we're in Melbourne, This is where I grew, which is where I grew up, and uh, and, and, and my wife and I, would, I was showing my wife, Trish, different areas of Melbourne. And, uh, and then I showed her around where my parent, grandparents used to live. And then there was quite a well-known church nearby. And, and I said to her, I said, oh, let's go check out where that church is. And we drove around it. It's quite a big-looking church. And we drove through the car park and, and that sort of thing. And then noticed that the church was scheduled to start in about 10 minutes. And we said, oh. I said to her, why don't we just go in for a service? So... We went in, we went into the service and right at the start they played, they did a thing called worship in the round where they put the band in the middle on the floor and everyone worshipped around in a circle, uh, which is a really cool idea. So we do it at our church now twice a year, I stole the idea from them. Uh, and so I went there and when we got there they just started singing a song called Raise a Hallelujah and you were playing it before. Uh, raise a hallelujah. And honestly, the only way I can describe it, as I started worshipping God, the Spirit of God came upon me and literally right then took away all the heaviness. 
right then took away all the anger. And all I just felt was the strength that I need started coming down and drawing down on the inside. And honestly, within three and a half minutes, all that, all that, all that disappointment, all that weariness, it just left me in a moment, more than any holiday can do. There was a spirit of God coming upon me. He started filling me with life, joy and strength. I remember at the end of the service, we walked out into the foyer. I looked at my wife. I said, I'm good. Let's go get them. And we went back home. And our church is done, believe it. Church has doubled in size. Financially, it's the greatest it's ever been. Gone from two campuses to four. Advancing incredibly. All after that moment where I was feeling dead, finished and through. And the Spirit of God came upon me when I started praising. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you need to know that the power to access in God's presence is in your mouth. That when you come to church, instead of standing there with your arms folded, why don't you put your arms up in the air, start praising and worshipping God. And when you do that, His presence will come and fill you with the life, the joy and the strength that you need to be the territory taker He's called you to be. Amen. The fourth one is this. He says, speaking one of the Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. The fourth key is actually thankfulness. So this is the exact opposite of the spirit of the age. Spirit of the age is ungratefulness and entitlement. It's consumer-minded, always focusing on what I don't have. That's in direct opposition to what kingdom is. Kingdom is, in spite of things that are happening, I'm still thankful. The Bible says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. So what that means is this. I access his presence where there's joy and strength through praise. Well, I just told you about that one. And thankfulness. Actively thanking him for what he's done in our lives. A friend of mine, his name is Pastor Sanjay, had a very different, he was a, uh, had a, a, you know, quite a discouraging weekend. And so on the Monday morning, he went to do his daily devotions and he was doing them at, the, at a boat ramp by the banks of the Brisbane River. And, but to be honest, when he was there, he was, whilst he was praying, he was more moaning and complaining. You know, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening in my life? And, and after a while, he just felt the Holy Spirit say to him, Sanjay, why don't you thank me? And he said, I will. Well, for what? He said, what have I got to thank you for? And he felt God say, just thank me. And so he was so discouraged he couldn't verbalise it. Have you ever felt like that? You're so discouraged you can't verbalise it. So he got a journal out and he started writing down things he could thank God for. Lord, I thank you that I'm saved. That's a pretty good start. Even on your worst day, you're still winning. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for their health. Thank you that I am able to preach your word. Thank you that some people do want to listen to me. And, and after a while, as he did that, the heaviness started lifting. And he started taking his eyes off the things that God hasn't done yet and started putting them on the things that he is doing. That's one of the keys here. You might have aspirations and desires and you put your whole focus on that. But in the midst of that, start putting your focus on the things that God is doing and start thanking him for that. All of a sudden, the heaviness lifted. He put down the journal and he started walking around that boat ramp with his arms raised, thanking and praising God. 
what had happened? The heaviness lifted. The Spirit of God came as a result of thankfulness. My question to you is this. When was the last time you counted your blessings? When was the last time you said, you know what, Lord? I just want to thank you for this. I want to thank you that I do have a job. I want to thank you for this. I want to start thanking him for what he is doing. Because I promise you, even in the midst of a tough time, you can still thank him for what he is doing in your life. You can still draw down on the Spirit of God and have the strength that you need to be the territory taker who's called you to be. And the last thing he says this, verse 20, giving thanks for all things, always for all things to God the Father, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's all part of it. That was a comma. It wasn't like new topic. In fact, sometimes in our Bibles it says that and then he goes on, they put a heading in there, but the heading wasn't in the original language. And he starts talking about family. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Then he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for it is right. And fathers, don't frustrate your children. So he starts talking about the household. As I told you before, Ephesians was written according to the Roman worldview and it was written like a Roman call to arms letter. The Roman worldview was this. Strong families equal a strong state. So here he is basically borrowing from that. He is saying strong families equal a strong church, which is why I think the enemy is forever trying to attack families because he knows if he can attack families, he can actually attack the church. And so that's all that there. So basically what he's saying is this. If you want the flow of the Spirit of God, access to that life, joy and strength to keep happening in your life, you need to make sure that things are in order at home. Have you ever had it like, yeah, pastor, I'll do that, I'll go to church, I'll praise God, I've got a positive confession, I'm thankful. But if things are out of whack at home, who knows it's hard to maintain any strength? Who knows that that'll rob all the joy straight out of you? It's absolutely crazy. So what he's saying is this. He's saying that one of the keys to living that life in the flow of the Spirit of God is to have our family relationships at home in order. Because if we don't, it's quite jarring and could rob us of our strength. I've got a photo Hopefully that we're able to show, and um, if that's all right, guys, if you could show that. And there we go. There's my family, and uh, obviously my wife Tricia is here, and my youngest boy here, and uh, and my two older boys up there. They're pretending that they're models and that sort of thing. <laughs> and and uh, that was just done the other day. We, my oldest boy, he's uh, he was you know at his U12 formal, so we all got dolled up a bit, and then. Trish organised for a, someone to come and take some photos. and yeah, so, so you look at that and you think, mate, look, how, look at that beautiful family. Well, you know, sure, there'd be no problems there. Oh, well, let me tell you, that's not always the case. Uh, I remember uh, one time uh, my son on the right there, Joshy, he, uh, when he was little, uh, he used to tell lies all the time when he was little, two years of age, and he used to wake up in the... Night, and his big thing was he always used to steal food from the fridge at night, uh, but he pretended he didn't. And he pretended he's afraid of the dark, but we thought he can't be afraid of the dark because we know he's stealing things from the fridge. So there's one time he comes and sees us, goes, Mummy, Daddy, I'll wet the bed. And it's like, oh, no. So we went and saw him. And, yeah, he wet the bed all right. The, the popper that he stole from the fridge exploded in bed. And so <laughs> that's how he wet it. Remember another time... Uh, my dad was actually sleeping in the kitchen. My dad was visiting my mum and my dad's a big snorer so mum kicked him out and put him on a futon in the kitchen. And, and so in the middle of the night, 2am, 
uh, all of a sudden he sees the fridge light on. And uh, little two-year-old Joshua pokes his head out from the side and says, uh, it's okay, Grandpa, go back to sleep. And uh, he goes... (laughs) So, yeah, crazy. And, uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, probably, no, 20 years ago now, I remember there was a time when my wife and I, we were arguing a lot and and uh, when we first got married because, you know, sometimes that happens and, and cut a long story short, one night she got up with her bags packed and I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm going to mum's and we were living in Mackay at the time. She goes, I said, your mum lives in Cairns. She goes, that's right. I said, what are you doing that for? She goes, because you're an idiot. And I... Right at that moment, I thought, I've got a problem. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I may as well not rock up to work that day. I remember at the time, I thought, I have to solve this, fix this out, fix this up. You know, I don't know, you know, when you used to, I guess when we used to be able to water our yards and you get the hose out and start watering the yard and, and then there's times when all the water stops flowing. The reason why it stops flowing is because there's a kink in the hose. So instead of trying to just yank it, it's not going to change anything. You have to go back, straighten up that kink, and then everything flows again. I remember when that happened, I thought, there's a kink in my hose. And we straightened it up. And for 20 years, we've been great. It's been awesome. Last year, I had some challenges with one of my sons. And for whatever reason, it... He was running away a lot, often up to four or five days at a time. And I remember at the time, and it always happened just before a breakthrough in church. We'd have these big breakthroughs in church. and that's all. Church ministry was going great. The church became the largest it's ever been. And, and we grew 20% in COVID, in attendance, which is incredible. Financially, the five, most profitable year the church had had in 15 years. and Went from two campuses to four, all this sort of stuff happening. But one of my sons... We're having lots of challenges with and that sort of thing. And, and in spite of everything going great in church, I just had all these, I was really, there was times there I was feeling very depressed and very low and that sort of thing. And, and so I got together and we, you know, a few things happened and started praying with some men in our church and I said, look, what, you know, I'd like your prayer for this. And things started shifting. And then, then come this year, we've had no issues like that. In fact, had no issues with me. This has been the best year we've ever had. Marriage is doing great. It's been, marriage has been doing pretty well for a long time. And boys are doing really well. And church is going exponential. And everything's going awesome. And, and this has been the most joy-filled year I've ever had in my life, by a mile. Um, but when we straighten that stuff out at home, that's when things started flowing better. You can have everything else going right, but if things aren't straight at home, It'd rob you of your joy. And I haven't preached this message in many, many years. I nearly didn't preach it today. Pastor Jeremy will tell you that. But I just felt in my heart that there's some people here, I don't know who, there's some things you need to straighten out at home. And I promise you this, if you do, you're going to experience the flow of the Spirit of God like never before. You won't be sitting in church upset about an argument at home. You won't be sitting in church wondering about what's going on. You'll be here fully engaged, fully focused. And when things are working well at home, everything else is flowing. I guess you didn't see this coming, huh? 
but you can do all the other things. Praise, confession, church, thankfulness. And they're all really, really important. But if you've got things going well at home as well, you're going to keep being fueled by the Spirit of God. And you're going to be the territory taker he's called you to be. Amen? So maybe right now that's how you're feeling. You're, you're saying, Ben, there's something I need to straighten out. There's a kink in my hose. There's something I need to fix. Well, if that is you, I just want to pray for you where you are. But I don't want to embarrass anyone. So I just want you to close your eyes if you, if you may. And, and worship team when you come up. And If you're hearing, that's, you're saying there's something I've got to straighten out at home. It's robbing me of my joy and my strength. If that is you right where you just slip up your hand and say, that's me, uh, something I need to straighten out. I want to pray for you guys. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these people with their hands raised. Lord, I've been there. I know exactly what it's like. And I ask and pray, Lord, that you help them to have the courage to straighten it out. I pray that you release the grace of God to help them to straighten out. Maybe they are the one who needs straightening out. I ask and pray, Lord, that you would help them to do that. And I know, Lord, that it will no longer short-circuit or cut off the flow of the Spirit of God in their lives. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hands down. And One more thing. Um, and after this, we're going to do that song, uh, Raise a Hallelujah. We might finish off with that. And uh, But maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, I'm feeling how you felt that time a couple of years ago. Feeling cooked. Feeling finished. Feeling empty and dry. I want to let you know that in three and a half minutes, the Spirit of God can fill you with new life again. So if that's how you're feeling, can I get everyone to close your eyes again? Ben, won't you come up and get you to close your eyes again? And if you're saying that's how I've been feeling, Ben. Been feeling empty, dried, feel like I've got nothing. If that is your right, we will slip up your hand and say that's me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray with those people with their hands raised. And I pray that right now that by the Spirit of God, you come upon them that you would fill them right now with new life, new joy, new strength. I thank you, Lord, your word says that you'll renew our youth like the eagles. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand on your feet? Lift your hands to heaven. Let's do that song, that song that lifted me out of the doldrums a couple of years ago. And as we do it, I want you to declare, I want you to let the words come out of your mouth. You know, the Bible tells us, as we said before, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And as we worship Him, as He's praising, as we praise Him, His presence will come and He'll fill you with life, joy and strength. Let's worship Him in this place.
Let faith rise in this place. Sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder. Heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder. In the middle of the storm, lift him up louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise, death is defeated. The king is alive. I raise, I raise a I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a 
Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for everything that you do for us, God. As we lift our voices, we take our eyes off our circumstance and fix our eyes on Jesus as we praise your name and exalt your name. We thank you that chains break in the name of Jesus. Lord, that miracles happen in the name of Jesus, that breakthrough comes in the name of Jesus. And so, God, we'd be sure to keep our eyes firmly fixed on you, Lord, and to give you all the glory, all the honour, and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everyone shouted. Let's give him praise. Give him praise. He's worthy. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, for your love. Praise your name, Lord God. Hallelujah. God's good, amen. Amen. I want to pray for you, pray God's blessing over you. But before we do, do something generous this week. We want to be a blessing to Pastor Ben and Trish. And we don't pass the bags around for love offerings anymore, but you can use our envelopes if you want to be generous. And I just think there's something about sowing into fertile ground. And what these guys have been able to achieve because of God's grace on them at the Gold Coast is just astounding what they've done. If you heard the whole story, you got snippets today. It's incredible how God has used these guys. And we want to bless them with a love gift. So would you be generous? If you haven't come prepared today, do it online across the week and we'll honor it to these guys. We want to be a blessing, amen? So let me pray for you. We're going to have morning tea. We're going to eat that. You need to eat all that cake. I do not need that cake coming home to my house. So please, two, two pieces, three pieces, just eat it. Just eat it. Father God, I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you for your people, for your Holy Spirit that is in their hearts, that leads them and guides them. And God, I just pray that this week you would go before us, behind us, around about us, that you would lead us, give us opportunity to declare your goodness and be a testimony, a light in our community where people can hear about the love of Jesus. So use us, Father God. Lead us and guide us, I pray, this week in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Be blessed. Thanks, Ben and Trish. Give them a hand. Great word today. And let's have fellowship and coffee and lots of cake. Amen.